Hello and welcome back to the Pilgrims Podcast. My name's Archie and joining me today is Mark, Chris and Alex. Before we get started, a quick shout out to our sponsors, Swaz. In the description below, you'll see more details on Swaz and an exclusive discount offer. More on Swaz after the pod. Happy New Year, and well, what a game to kick things off. Argyle 3, Watford 3. Funnily enough, not the first uh, 3-3 draw at home park I've seen between those two teams, but that's a story of another day. Alex, uh, <laughs> some game, some game, again. Yeah, it, it should be easy to talk about a 3-3 with wild goals and a feeling more like a basketball match, but I'm actually struggling to pick it out from the other 3-3s and 3-2s and 2-alls that we just don't seem to be able to stop having it's incredible value for money I, i'm not the first person to say this but if there's anybody who wants to go and watch an efl game as a neutral your money is best spent going down to home park i think mm, no absolutely as i found out the <laughs> uh, the hard way so to say is i'm my partner asked me yesterday exactly how much money have you spent on Argyle this month and it was quite a lot but it was well worth it i was lucky enough to see four games chris um excuse me listener as i recite my wee holiday but i saw four games and they were four crackers and uh yeah topped off with that g- uh, game at home park yesterday on new year's day it was uh, it had everything again lots to be positive about <laughs> lots to probably be negative about let's start with the positives finazaz have you seen a better goal in recent times you probably have, actually, haven't you? Um, in the context of a game, I know what you mean. Um, it's far easier to balloon that over the bar. Um, yeah. So as a piece of technique, it was fantastic. But that's the the first two goals are our season. Spectacular mm. finishes up one end, but the one we conceded sort of looked like a training drill gone wrong. It was that bad. Um, the the first one the first one yeah from the throw yeah, yeah. Like... It, was, it was horrendous <clears throat> does, that, does that Usually goal well. count as does that goal count as from a corner the Azaz goal well, the Azaz, I, think a corner was, yeah. I think it yeah I mean it was from a corner um, yeah, I think that, was, um, that first 15 get, minutes was our season right not to get technical with you but I think it might count as a, a second phase of play whether that then counts as a don't even know what corner. that is. If I ever learn, shoot me. I'm just, I'm just desperate. I'm just desperate to say we scored from a corner, really, Archie, more than anything. I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. But going back to that goal, I mean, it's so easy. I, mean, I was lucky enough to obviously be in the ground, but also be kind of perfectly in line with it. And so I got to see the dip and the curve on it. And the fact that he didn't balloon it to row Z or kind of skew it to the corner flag and the conditions, I can't tell you how bad the conditions were. I know, I know it was early on in the game. But it was it was bad from the start. Uh, it was an incredible, incredible goal, and we'll get on to Finn and the future of Finn later. But that was something to behold. The thing that fascinated me about it wasn't the execution of it or how he struck it, which was as perfect as he could have imagined. It's the thought process to even try and do that in the first place, mm. because it's such an unusual way to hit a volley from there your natural instinct as a as a player or most players that you would see or when you've been watching Argyle is to just think, oh, I'll try and volley this in the more sort of traditional way. Yeah. The fact that he's either made the decision in that moment in the pissing rain in a match where he's surrounded by opposition players and he's got however many thousand people watching him to have the the poise to go, actually, I'm just going to side foot volley this into there. Or the fact that that's just his reaction is to do that. It's the, we talked about it last pod, actually, about the difference between the quality players and the players who perhaps aren't quite there. And whether it's a mentality thing, whether it's a speed of thought, is it more in their head than it is in their feet? And that was an example of the difference between that extra level of quality of him having the presence of mind to even consider doing that is what Mm. I think is incredible. Yeah, Mark, I was I was sitting there thinking, I'm not sure I've seen a better attacking lineup at Argyle ever, really. The, and we relied on all three of them, Whitaker, Hardy, and Azaz, all coming up with a goal each. And it's it's really a joy to see. And then you've got Mumba as well, albeit yesterday he was slightly in a more defensive position. But to see those three kind of all on their, on their A game, especially in that first half, I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. 
to be honest with you. I was watching it with my son and uh, even he was impressed and he's uh, a very hard taskmaster. Hmm. Free quality goals, free tremendous goals, you know, one better than the other, but they were all magnificent in their own right. Um, we have to savor this moment. It's great entertainment. Um, I will try and concentrate on the positives, you know, because it's very easy to slip into what's not quite right. But those attacking jewels that we have, you know, they're they're absolutely tremendous and hopefully we can we can um negotiate a deal with villa um that would bright that would be a really tremendous start to the new year coupled with the new uh, the new messiah arriving to take over mm-hmm. from stephen schumacher who's buggered off to show stoke uh, stoke and um, the we, let's let's try and let's let's help everybody with that mentality as we open the new year. I think there's a lot of people saying that if we could defend, we'd have won. There's another planet in which all of these exciting draws are three nil defeats. That makes sense. Like there is two ways to look at a, a glass, and mm-hmm. yes, if we could defend, we'd be in the top six. But if we couldn't attack, we'd be bottom. Um, and I think that is something that we need to remember it's very easy to see it through the lens of points lost rather than points gained and in his absence I've joked about this I am a full convert to the Tom Kirk if you like a draw then you know there's something mentally deficient in you but I do think there is something in the fact that we need to look at the fact that we can score as a positive absolutely Absolutely. Um, right, that's enough positive to one day. We're seven minutes in. Let's look at the um, <laughs> defensive mishaps. The opening 20 minutes, Alex, it was a bit of a calamity back there. We had we went, went back to the back three or the back five, depending on how you look at it. Uh, Dan Scar in the middle. You know, let's have it right. He didn't have a great opening 20 minutes. He did recover. We'll come on to that later. But it was shaky, shaky stuff. We've moved the back line around quite a bit. There's always seems to be somebody coming in and coming out. It doesn't really seem to be settled. So a lot of the time you're asking players to come in having not played for a little bit. We've been three at the middle, in the middle at the back. We've been two in the middle at the back. Um, We've had the wing backs. We've mixed it around a bit to the point where it does need to settle down. Now I know why it hasn't settled down because we've had injuries with some people. We've had uh, suspensions. Um, but I think moving forward, that defensive line needs to settle down and we need to, and I know you'll want to get onto this later, but if the rumours are to be true that there will be defenders moving on in the transfer window, it looks like there will be defenders coming in and anybody who's seen our games will know that we don't need to strengthen scoring goals, as Mark was just saying, as Chris was just saying, where we need to strengthen is stopping them at the other end. Mm. I think in yesterday's formation, playing the three at the back, which Neil Dewsnip in the in the middle, Neil Dewsnip clearly prefers. It means you've got the extra bodies in there, but it does mean that if Barley's playing, you're asking him to do more of a defensive job than if he's slightly further up. And I think just yesterday he was one of the players. You mentioned Dan Scar as well, but Barley got taken off in the second half. He had a really difficult day, and when I was watching those goals back again he was the player who stood out to me as perhaps not being in the right place or being the right side of his man or just being off the mark quite quick enough. So same old story, isn't it? Mm-hmm. What, it's what interesting do we need to do to stop these goals going in? It's interesting when you're in the ground, you see those conversations, obviously you can't hear them. Well, actually, when you're in the Mayflower, sometimes you almost can if they're quite close to you. But being in block nine yesterday, you can only see the conversation. And Gibson had his arm around Bali a lot especially after the goals, but also throughout the match. And he wasn't, you know, he he wasn't embarrassing him in front of 15,000 at home park, but he was clearly kind of mentoring him through the game and telling him where to go and where to improve possibly because, yeah, there was between those two, there seemed to be a problem yesterday. A lot, Watford were having a lot of joy. Yeah, and I, once or twice, I think Gibson also got pulled out of position, if I'm being honest, but it was interesting watching him having a lot of dialogue with Barley more than normal. 
Archie, just just on that, there's a little snippet in the juice snip presser after the game that I thought was interesting. <clears throat> See, basically, almost verbatim said, we're an attacking team, We this is how we play, we're always going to score goals. We need to improve defensively and in our maturity all over the pitch. And I don't think he necessarily meant we need to be mature all across the pitch. I think what he's saying is the defence is so exposed because at various points we don't appear to have a midfield. Mm. Um, I think it's harder to be in position. It sort of flows up the pitch, right? If your attackers are losing the ball in a difficult place, the midfield gets overrun, but it's actually the defence that looks out of shape. And I'm not sure that we have bad defenders. I think they're defending poorly because they're exposed, which is a long way of saying, I hope in January, I can't use the word that I use in our chat, we get someone destructive in the middle of the pitch. You know what I normally mean by that. But I think that's what we're missing. The defence looks worse than it is because they're constantly defending against too many players overrunning them. And managers managers like to say you defend as a team and you attack as a team. And that's very true. And I agree with you, Chris. I do wonder if it's our shape further up the field or when when we're out of possession, that means that the defenders do get exposed. Now, there are individual errors in there as well, of course, that are well documented. But for example, let's look at that first goal um, that comes from the throw-in. Barley's man wanders away from him, um, who gets the cross in. And then the guy who scores the goal, that's actually Finazaz. And he doesn't track he doesn't track that player at all. He just sort of hangs around on the edge of the box because we are so attacking-minded. Those players, our star attacking players, they're always looking for the break. They're ready. He hung in that position because he was waiting for the ball to break out of the box so we could attack like we did so many times and possibly should have done better. So I can see why he was there. But because of that approach, because of him being encouraged to hang on the edge of the box to pick up the breaking ball to break quickly, it meant that his man wandered into the middle of the box and scored the goal. So I don't know if you could call that Finazaz not doing his job defensively, or maybe that's the tactic that he's been told to do that and not commit himself to go being back on the edge of our six-yard box. But mm. it means that they score goals. So the clues are there. Um, hopefully the new guy can come in and, you know, for all we know, he was watching at the weekend. So we'll be able to uh, pick this apart better than us. Yeah, it was, maybe we should, be, we should be giving some credit to Watford because they were doing a really good job of pressing us really, really quickly on. and. Uh, Hazard was having a bit of grief at the back, really. You know, Scar would often pass backwards to him and Watford would be on us like that. And the options were really limited. Then you throw in the conditions as well and you throw in Dan Scar, who's not a great ball-playing centre-back. It, it, there were some really nervy, nervy moments. One awful back pass from memory from Scar, which didn't make the extended highlights online. But uh, we, yeah, we got away with it once or twice and it looked... Yeah, it was tricky. It was, it was a nervy said, watch. You, you said he'd come back, you know... We'll- I've got to go to work in a minute, so I'm only here for the first bit. But in the towards the end, he made a scar, made a sort of goal saving challenge that was like inches wide of the post. It was almost an own goal. But to your point, he, not only did he improve, he actually had some really good moments. He did later he, in the game he, when, when it was back when they, when it was back against the wall. He looked better, mm. right? When we were actually defending, when they're countering. There's no one in front of him. Obviously, he looks exposed. He's not quick. Yeah. No, he read the storm and he did well. One person who was uh, consistent throughout, Mark. And look, I wouldn't say I was ever a critic or not a fan, but, you know, I hadn't seen anything bad or anything overly great. It was kind of 7 out of 10 with Adam Randall. Yesterday was borderline 10 out of 10 for me. Finazaz was incredible first half. Like, and he had Watford all over the place. He was pulling the strings. But Adam Randall was consistent throughout, like no player was for me yesterday. His energy levels were incredible. If you look at his um, stats on recoveries and and passes into the attacking third and all that fun stuff, he's doing well there. He was everywhere and he had a great game. Yeah, absolutely. But I wanted to go back to the defence, sorry, and give Pleggy a, a special mention because he just no. needs, he needs to be given, given a decent run in the in the side. I think we do have the defensive, we have defenders there. We just need to find the proper system because if Galloway can stay fit, 
there's your, there's your defender. Gibson, Pleggy, Scar as backup. Um, yeah, and uh, maybe a couple in the window to shape a defence. So Pleggy had a decent game. Good to see. Randall, yeah, love it. He was he was at the heart of all the good things in his passing into the into the gaps, running on the players running on to his passes. Loved it. Loved it. I don't want to ever see him on the bench. Hopefully yeah. the new manager doesn't, you know, can see his qualities. He is Plymouth Argo through and through, and he is one of the first names on the starting. There, there was a moment, well, to, to our first goal, I think it was, or second, I believe, actually. <laughs> I'm losing count. Barley gave him a bit of a short pass in our own penalty box or, you know, defending deep at that time. And he pinged a fantastic ball out to Finazaz, who then rolls his man, turns his man, whatever you want to call it, who then sets up Morgan Whisker. So it's a second goal. But that pass from Adam Randall in, the, in his own box, just at one touch, bam, pinged it out to Finazaz and set up this fantastic uh, counterattack. Yeah, I was, like I said, never been a critic, never been his number one fan. Just, yeah. But yesterday I was mightily impressed by him his energy levels is everything uh yeah and the crowd were fully with him as well it was he, great to see. he was carrying the ball forward a lot more than we've yeah. been used to this season so i wonder if neil Dusnip has given him a bit more license to do that perhaps playing those two holding midfielders gives him the opportunity to do that because usually it's been him or jordan whereas when they're both on the pitch he can do that he seems mm-hmm. to suffer a bit because if you put him in any one individual position on the field there's somebody else who's better than him in that position. Cent- Central defensive midfielder, Jordan Houghton's the guy. He's been fantastic all season. Moving forward, we don't even need to talk about it. We know our embarrassment of Rich is there. So he perhaps, as you're building a team and putting the team on the team sheet, you look at all the different positions and you go, well, that's my starter there. That's my main guy there. What he's got above everybody else is he is he's the only person that can sort of do all of them. So his utility becomes incredibly valuable. But I feel like he misses out sometimes just because we have those specialists that get into the team. And then you see yesterday where he is kind of covering more ground. He is doing more of a box-to-box job. And all of a sudden you're thinking, wow, we've got a guy who can defend, win the ball, and then move forward and be part of that that move. So again, kind of like when we've had um, Galloway coming back and we've said, Oh, it's like having a new player. If there's a manager who comes in and can use Adam Randall to his strengths, well, then instead of instead of having a second choice central defensive midfielder, we've now got a box to box midfielder. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that new new manager who looks to be um, an impending appointment uh, how he utilizes Randall because yesterday was, and I'm sure we had a host of potential new managers watching yesterday. Yesterday, yeah. Couldn't have gone better for Adam. So we've reached the end of this run of Christmas games now, haven't we? And I think it's five without Schumacher. How, Chris, how do we feel that Juicenip and Nance, how do we feel they've done? I think, well, it shows, Tom said this in one that I was listening to when I wasn't around to do it, but there's definite continuity there because we're the same free-flowing, attacking team with defensive lapses that we were before we left. Mm. Um, maybe we miss a little something in the organisation. Maybe. Um, but I'm going st- to stick with Mark's team. There's another world in which your manager leaves and you just collapse. We did not collapse. We didn't do as well as maybe we could. But we were still performing to a decent level. We're still scoring goals. And I think it is. It's a bridge, right? You've got to create a bridge between the old and the new. And even the second half yesterday, we you know we were a decent save or a decent follow-up away from a win. Yeah. So I'm, I think they've held the fort really well. I also really like the style of his press conferences. But a whole, yeah. I guess the, the pressure's off. He can say what he likes, but there's a whole new level of authenticity. Whether it's these players need to do better, his subtle little dig yesterday about somebody else. Scraping a nil-nil at home, I, you know, he it, it felt it, not only on the pitch, off the pitch, because he's still got to do another job as well. I think fair play to him. Yeah, now Mark, it's I think with the Schumacher departure, we've been so focused on him leaving, but he's actually not only has he left, 
but he's wiped out our whole coaching staff, apart from Nanskaville. Reese Millman has had to jump in and, um, you know, Jusnip's come come from upstairs to be on the grass. It's it's tricky. It's tricky. And I think we need to be given a lot of praise to those who haven't jumped ship, that they've steadied the ship and we've got through some really choppy waters. Absolutely. They've steadied the ship. There was a, a risk of a hangover there and we've just about got through it. I mean, we would like, obviously, we'd love to have won a couple of those games. It was entirely manageable. And Cardiff and Watford yesterday, the goalkeeper had a tremendous game, you know. Some top drawer saves, but credit to Nanskivel, Juicenip, um, Reese—they're all brilliant club men, yeah. And they—they believe in the power of Plymouth Argyle, and uh, mm. it's good to have them on board. And the new head coach—it's going to be a head coach, not a manager—would have seen, would have seen everything in those games. Okay, it knows the power of our attack. And he knows our limitations at the back. So it's a really attractive job. And uh, mm. let's be excited um, for who be coming through the door in the building. I really hope that's one of the questions in the interview, Mark. Do you believe in the power of Plymouth Argyle? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, that sounds like well, a question from your side of the yeah. pond. Will you walk away after uh, two years <laughs> on a, in a helicopter? For a bag full of cash. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I, I, I've banged on about it, and I will bang on about it until you know it becomes a problem. Five from five is all we need. However, you've got to also look at it case by case. We won't probably get an easier five than we've had, Alex. Do So on one hand, we've been quite sympathetic of this situation. We've had a pretty crap month or two weeks with Schumacher jumping ship. However, we also said before he left that we need to be getting more than five points from these set of games. So having had the two weeks that we've had, how what are your feelings on the five points gained, on having 29 points on the, on the t- league table? Yeah, where are you at with it all? Disappointed that we didn't pick up more points. I'm still, still thinking about Cardiff. You know, when that yeah. game yesterday is three all, I'm still thinking about that Cardiff game. That was our, that was the game that we really threw away. That was our first away win. That was two extra points on the board. So we could have done better. We could have done worse. I am fairly philosophical about it. I I think Tom and I, and I'll, I'll wait until Tom's on to really defend his position. At the moment, given that, the upheaval we've had with Schumacher going just before the transfer window and over the really busy Christmas period. Um, I'm still looking at the team that's in 22nd place and Sheffield Wednesday got a good win yesterday, but before they went and beat Hull, um, we were moving away from that, that team. And at the moment, until the new manager comes in, all I care about is maintaining that gap. And we've done that over these games so in that regard if you're talking about relegation and people were saying when Schumacher left oh well that's us relegated now and people were saying that or very worried about it that hasn't happened or that hasn't materialized Mm. could we have got got more points could we have turned draws into wins well that's the story of our season and I feel like that may be the story of our season unless the new guy does something drastic that we go along and we pick up draws and we get the odd good win here and there and we lose games where we felt we should have got points and we end up when it all shakes out at the end of the day, about sort of 17th, 18th, 16th, if we're lucky position. Mm. Yeah. Chris, for what it's worth, I think I said to you guys privately, not sure it was on air. I said, I wanted to walk away from home park on new year's day on 30 points. And having sat on it for 24 hours, having walked away from home park with 29 points in the league table, I feel like taking a one point hit given the circumstances is all right. Not ideal, but Again, I stress the circumstances. And I don't think, and I've just said it a minute ago, I don't think it's actually been acknowledged enough that Schumacher's not only done the dirty on us, but he's wiped out the whole coaching staff. Given that, I think a one-point hit to my goal of 30 points is all right. Yeah, I think it's all right. It's it's where, <clears throat> we're, we're, we're where I thought we'd be. I think Alex has nailed it. You know, we're an immature, in many sense of the words, team. You know, they're quite young. First season, 
to be as far away from the relegation zone as we are is positive. I think the, the challenge with it is lose a couple of games and somebody else wins a couple and then you do start to worry. But that's how this season always felt like it was going to be to me. I never had any doubt that it would be anything other than different than that, given the budget, mm. given everything, even if we'd have kept our manager. So I quite like, I've said before, I, I, I almost prefer looking over my shoulder and looking upwards. It's something yeah. more kind of every game feels a little more important than when you're just thinking, can we sustain first or second place? The volatility is something to to enjoy. Yeah. Mark, I guess one, I think, I think we've come to the consensus that five points from five, not ideal, but it's okay. However, having personally seen three games at home park and seen Argyle score three goals on all of those occasions, only win once, that feels like a bit of a problem to me. That we have to essentially score four goals. Yeah, it's too. It we've been saying the same thing all season, Archie. You know, I'm not going to say anything. We're... Yeah, but three, team... three, three and three feels extreme. I know we have had the same conversation, but three and three is mad, isn't it? Yeah, it's too easy for the other side to score goals. It's simple. Yeah. Um, ironically, uh, Stoke have had two nil, new, two nil nil draws, and we've had two three three draws since uh, our friend left. Um, yeah, it's it's not good enough. But let's concentrate on the positives. We have an opportunity to get the appointment right, and with new ideas, maybe God, God forbid, maybe God forbid, we have a defensive coach. Or, or somebody who, who uh, practices set pieces and corners, God forbid. There's a whole list of things that we might get with this new appointment. You know, we are yeah. world's, officially the worst team at corners in the championship. Um, we're not very good at defending. And we're sitting here and we're seven, eight points clear of relegation. Uh, one of the top scoring sides in the whole league. And there's there's a hell of a lot to be positive about. So let's, well, at least from my perspective, let's concentrate on that. Uh, can we get? Can we keep hold of Morgan Whitaker? If we do sell him, it's going to be for twenty five, thirty million, and that should be a positive now. And we might be able to afford a defender. The reassuring thing for me about our situation and and us conceding so many goals is we could quite easily have come up into this division and just been well out of our depth and just not had the players who were good enough. And I think perhaps Rotherham are a team that are struggling with that. They just don't have the quality, no matter what their manager does, no matter what they do. And you see teams come into divisions, you look at the teams going up into the Premier League, it doesn't matter what their manager does. They just don't have the players that are good enough to compete. We do. We scoring goals freely for fun. We know what the problem is. We need to stop conceding them. We need to figure out a way of sorting out our defence as a team, not just the back line, the back unit, but as a whole team. So it's a problem that can be fixed. It's not just this case of, oh, we're up in this big boy league and we just don't have the players because we're little old Plymouth Argyle. So that reassures me that, again, I keep saying about the guy coming in, but it's something that they can come in and feel like they can do something about rather than having to go and knock on Simon Hallett's door saying, I need X million um, pounds if I'm going to keep you up that's he doesn't need x million pounds what he needs is a good coaching team and he needs to be able to identify where the problem is and use the players we've got to fix it because the players we've got some outstanding defenders maybe we need one or two in there more just to plug those few gaps but mm. it's it's a fixable problem yeah I think that brings us full circle like I said at the start of um today's pod the attacking lineup we've had we've got is like some I've never seen anything like it. And more importantly than what, what it means to me, I think it's top-end championship, which is a blessing, really. And like Mark said, I think we've just kind of got to drink it in and enjoy it. Um, but yeah, a lot to be positive about, for sure. A lot to be excited about for the new manager, whoever that is. We are um, teeing ourselves up perfectly for part two, where we'll get into that new manager discussion in more depth. Chris, you're about to leave us. Is there anything you need to get off your chest before you do so? <laughs> Um, just that whatever I'm intrigued later in the week because we're going to be back in glued to Twitter territory aren't we mm. that we're going to have that oh something's happening like noise or idiot leaking or something there's probably I know we talked about this but there's probably one or two names that are being bandied around that would make me a bit sad 
but you've got to trust that the club will do this right. They've not done a lot wrong when it comes to significant appointments and even significant signings. So I just hope that we all get behind whoever it is. And I really hope it's some random. I really do hope it's someone that we I have to Google to work out who they are because that's that's the philosophy of our club, right? Do more with less, rely on data, progressive attack in football. Let's hope it's someone who fits that mould. And Mr Rooney's available. You don't imagine he'll be walking through the door, do you? No, imagine one trip to Devon in a month is uh, more than enough for Wazza. Mark, you you look like you've got something on the tip of your tongue. Well, I know Bobby Williamson's available because I spoke to him recently, but uh, I'm not sure he's on the shortlist. Still looking for his dentist. (laughs) All right, time for a break. All right, welcome back to part two. Uh, Chris is no longer with us, but you mentioned it in part one. Neil Jusnip, he offers a good value for money in his press conferences. Uh, and yesterday was potentially his last one as a Plymouth Argyle manager or caretaker manager. Mark, there's a lot for us to uh, get our teeth into. Let's start with uh, the big thing. New manager, or should I say new head coach, as mentioned by uh, Jusnip. What do you make of that? Looking forward to whoever's named Plymouth Argyle head coach. Yeah, he's mentioned that it. He stressed at the press conference it's a head coach, not a manager. Um, mm. So it'll be someone on a on a two to three year deal to concentrate on coaching this fine group of young men. Um, we've all seen the names bandied about in the bet in the betting and all that. Um, I'm excited, like a lot of Argo fans, by a few of them. A few of them fill me with dread, uh, but you can rest assured that the board. And chairman at Plymouth Argo will make the right decision. So names like John Terry um, are not to be taken seriously. Yeah, yeah. I assume the club would have to um, employ someone who aligned with their the club values. Hmm. Uh, Alex, Alex, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because the Schumacher appointment, I can't, I almost don't count that. And there was an internal appointment. So if you go back to Ryan Lowe's appointment. That's the last time we had a decision of this magnitude, arguably. Um, certainly an external appointment. My point is that four years on, or four and a half years on from that, Argyle have a much stronger sense of their identity, or at least they're much further down their, the, the road in their plan, or just had that new five-year plan, of course. So that point of the head coach makes me think that they have a much, uh, possibly, uh, this might be total rubbish, <laughs> this is my reading of it, they might have a much stronger idea of what they want for the manager and the parameters in which they have to work in because Ryan Lowe brought in Jusnip didn't he and that worked out great for us he's still here and Schumacher and Lowe have gone but now the new head coach will find a frame in which to work in and they're going to have to sign up to that which yeah I imagine will be part of the interview process can you work under in this environment before you even get to the interview stage what having that structure and that set of clear set of values and um, vision for the club allows you to make sure that your short list of however many it was, 10 is the number I've heard banded around, but maybe more, maybe less, we don't know. It allows you to make sure that that short list, everybody on that short list fits into that mold. So already you're giving yourself a head start because you're not picking 10 random managers and thinking, well, he sounds good. He, he brings this or this guy brings that. Already, you know that the people you're interviewing at least go some way to meeting your criteria. So you've you've done sort of half the job there, and then it's just about finding the right fit and the right personality. And because you can look at a guy's coaching record, you can look at games that he's managed, you can look at previous teams he's worked with, you can speak to other people. The way that they play football and they like to play football, you can figure most of that out before they're even in the room. Then it's about getting to know the person and the individual who's going to be right for the club, which I think is such an important thing for them. So having the structure and the framework and the philosophy that the club has will really, really help us in the process compared to last time. It was interesting listening to the Derek Adams pod that you guys did with him, where it was, I think it was um, James Brent and Tony Raffle in Exeter somewhere talking to Derek mm. Adams and I'm thinking about the process there with those two people, not football man in the room. 
I know Tony's been involved in Argyle for a long time, so does know his way around a football club. But nobody with any professional coaching experience or managing experience in that room compared to now, the people that we have and the team we have um, making the decision means that we've got it pretty close to right in the past. Um, I'm very confident that amongst the expertise and the experience that we've now got compared to when we hired Ryan Lowe, that it's going to be an exciting and ambitious appointment. Yeah, no, it's interesting, isn't it? And well, more than interesting, it's exciting that we have that structure now. Because to me, it was what <laughs> it was a possible, I don't want to say oversight, but clearly Ryan Lowe gave a great uh, PowerPoint or whatever he did in his presentation. But then a month later after signing, go says comments like, uh, it's, you know, it's who you know regarding transfers which makes me think that he hasn't seen eye to eye at all with the club regarding their transfer policy. And he soon was you know, put into line and had to adapt Argyle's new transfer structure, which was very much data-led, albeit that took one or two years to establish, argue, arguably under low. It makes me think possibly they'll be a lot more vigorous this time round to make sure that a month on in the presser that you don't have the new manager saying stuff like that, where he's clearly not aligned with you. Um, yeah, I think it could be... a. a it, I don't. It might not be a yes man that has, that gets appointed. But it's going to be someone that is willing to work under that kind of almost not strict, but a clear set of uh, guidelines. Uh, yeah, I got told off last week for listing off the uh, or the previous week, whenever it was, for listing off all the managers that have been linked. There's been a lot. Mark, is there anyone there that gets your juices flowing? I'm I'm excited. If it was me, someone like Anthony Barry, who's uh, Thomas Tuchel's coach at Bayern Munich, is that your? Is, that, is, is he? Has he been linked, or is that just your uh, wish? That is a name that would excite me. Uh huh. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, really, I can I can see there's a few on the list, but Anthony Barry was it would be someone very high up on my list. Uh, he's got an Everton background. He's one of the one of the most highly sought after coaches in the world. And who knows? Who knows? If you don't actually don't get, but you know, we can only we're in a position now to attract a decent forward thinking head coach. And that hasn't mm-hmm. always been the case. Um, you just asked me for a name off the top of my head. Anthony Barry. He's 33 to 1. Please gamble sensibly. Alex, anyone tickling your fancy? Not especially. I try not to pay too much attention to it, really, because I have a strong suspicion very, that we'll all, very be, sensible. all be proved completely wrong when, um, when the person is announced. If we ever find out through the grapevine who some of those other people were, I think we'll be surprised at some of the people or perhaps some of the people who weren't there. So I'm ready to be patient and just wait and see. I echo what Mark says. I think the fact that we're in this division now, and sort of in danger of repeating myself from previous weeks, means we can attract a calibre of candidate that is completely different to when we were down further down the, the divisions. When we got low, it was right. It was good timing because we had a guy who kind of fitted of what the mould of what we wanted, um, and unfortunately, Barry were in the situation that they were in. So the timing for us, at least, worked out well. Now we're in a position where we're an attractive club in the championship, one of the best divisions in the world after the big top flight divisions. There's no debating that. People want to come to manage here, especially managers who, dare I say it, have aspirations of managing in the Premier League. What a great place to start. And it's the same approach as I've always said this with players. When we're in this division, the whole oh, how are we going to convince people to come down to Plymouth becomes an irrelevance because you become such a draw, the championship Mm. in English football, that you can now attract players from all over Europe and even elsewhere in the world. So it doesn't matter whether you're in Plymouth or Middlesbrough or Manchester, you're still hundreds of miles in a plane flight away from home. So it, it helps to level the playing field when we talk about geography and distance. So I'd be fascinated to see how far afield some of the applications came from. I would not be surprised if we had them from almost 
barring Antarctica, every single continent. Mm. It was, it's interesting what you said about the caliber of manager being linked and Scott Parker jumps off the page really as one that hasn't, we haven't had that caliber of manager being linked to an Argyle job. Well, I can't remember a time. I can't remember who was linked in the Holloway when Holloway was departed, maybe then possibly, but that feels like a big name, possibly not the right name. I would argue considering, you know, he essentially was sacked from Bournemouth for complaining about lack of transfer budget from memory and threw his team and club under the bus and was promptly dismissed. That doesn't feel like an Argyle appointment, if I'm being honest. Uh, possibly he needs us more than we need him. Who knows? But that calibre of name being linked is is rare. Rare, isn't it, Mark? And it doesn't. It, it takes some getting used to. I've said it before. We're in... We're a highly attractive proposition these days. So, you know, I'm excited. Neil Jusnip said at the presser yesterday he's excited. And I'm sure the board will – we have to trust the board to get it right. Um, Scott Parker, unlikely to happen because he had – he came – he's a successful coach in the championship, but he had a wad full of cash uh, parachute payments to, to use there. Um, unlikely to be a – attracted by the lowest budget in the championship mm. unless he's uh, unless he's completely changed his tune i think um there'll be if this process works correctly i know that certain names have been uh, leaked out there but we could get comp- uh, somebody completely left field and hopefully um he can keep us in this di- di- division and we can move on the next few years and really uh, well, take, a, take, take a real grip on the championship. Yeah, well, well, we'll move on soon from purely speculation. But one name that has been fairly consistent and kind of ticks that box of left field appointment would, would be Dick Schroeder. I think I pronounced his name right. Uh, the Dutchman. He, yeah, he's been linked heavily from almost this, you know, the moment Schumacher left. That feels realistic in terms of whatever our understanding of Argyle is you know the signing of Mustafa Bundu has been that perfect metaphor of it really that 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 would be exciting would it not Alex yeah I'd like to see somebody like that Chris is a big uh, fan of getting somebody in that no one knows much about who's going to bring um, enthusiasm and a real coaching approach rather than I say we're not looking for a manager as Mark said we're looking for a coach and and a sort of master tactician um who understands the modern game is what we really want Mm. the the difference here as well is with the big name managers you usually catch them on their way down and great point I don't want to be doing that you look at all of the names that people recognize and get excited about. They're all people who have failed and are going to be looking to rebuild and they're going to be looking to rebuild. They're either going to do a terrible job with us because they're not good managers. Scott Parker was absolutely abysmal in Belgium, by the way. And then they're going to rebuild their reputation and then they'll be off to one of their mates at one of these so-called bigger clubs. As soon as the opportunity arises, I would much rather have somebody and I mean, I say this as we've just been stung by a manager who we did exactly this with and they moved on to Stoke, but somebody who, and forgive me for using the word project, but really buys into the Argyle project and the plan and enjoys the challenge that is in front of them rather than looking at Argyle as a good place to rebuild or develop their career. You want a manager who loves the game. That's why... Bielsa was so highly thought of at Leeds. Now, I know I'm talking about a manager who's well out of our league, but everywhere he goes, he doesn't go there thinking about what will this, you know, where will this lead me in my next job? He, he loves the game. He's obsessed with tactics and how the game is played. And he brings his whole self to every club he works at, whether it's a big club or a smaller club. I would love to get somebody in the same vein as that. Mm. Dick, Dick Schroeder seems like that. Having read a fairly in-depth article on him, it got yeah, it got me excited about him for sure. And it's, it's Alex make a great point. Our whole transfer strategy seems to be you, you're buying potential with the idea that you're going to sell it for hopefully you know whatever five ten times the price. Morgan Whitaker, Bali Mumba, case in point. 
So you'd assume we'd go down the same kind of route with our manager or head coach. And that head coach is meant to slot into a, a currently vacant position. They're not meant to re, you know, reshuffle the football club. And that's what, you know, your Brighton and Brentford's done so well in the recent years, has been able to do, you know, one in, one out kind of thing. And you, the show goes on. Yeah, really interesting. Is there anything, before we move on completely, is there anything you guys want, is a requirement for you personally that you want to see from an Argyle manager? I feel like, you know, the last three have been fairly different in their personalities with the fist pumping and the, you know, the macho stuff. Uh, you know, we've had Derek's wind up, uh, you know, living in opposition manager's head for four years and stuff like that. And Schumacher was fairly calm, fairly level-headed. Oh, it seems so. Is there anything you guys want personally as a fan from this new manager, head coach? Sorry. I think it's important for, for me not to ever get close to falling in love with any other any mm. manager. You don't can't afford to get too close because you know you can get very hurt. Um I think it's um just the way the modern football is that people will move at the first hint of uh uh, extra money or a little bit of supposed extra ambition or you know so i just hope we we get a bloke who knows what he's doing can can organize us defensively and use our offensive weapons as they've been so brilliant this season and then we're in a position to really make our make a home in the championship you know i think if he stays with us for two years, that will be enough for me. That would mean he's been a success. Alex, uh, I mean, to, to build on your point, Alex, I'll, I'll give you an opportunity to speak. I think for me, it's really vital that they develop the players, the asset, and take them on a level. You know, you, that's what I want to see, that they're developing what we have rather than wanting to spend money. And just the bloody obvious, we get better at the back. Yeah, and not so much in with regards to coaching them as footballers, but I would like to see somebody come in who can really build strong relationships with the individuals as well as the team as a whole. Mm. You get some managers who are very big on keeping a distance between themselves and the players, so they maintain their kind of managerial presence um, and the authority. You just have to look at Morgan Whitaker and why Morgan Whitaker is our player right now. It's not because we could pay him the most money. It's not because we could afford the biggest transfer fee. It's because we created an environment where he wanted to come and play as football. And if we're going to be a club that develops young players and as the academy and the Brickfields um, project moves forward and we have young players coming through into the first team, we've got these assets who we um, bring on board and then try to develop them um, as people and as footballers and hopefully uh, help their careers progress and we get some money back in return. It has to be somebody who can do what Schumacher to his credit was clearly very good at was making those players want to play for Plymouth Argyle. Um, they're going to need to be able to do that, I think, because un until we can compete financially with the other clubs in the division, which, you know, there's an argument that we don't even want to, we want to do things differently, but un until we're able to compete with them on a financial level, we have to have our X factor, our something else. And I feel like with the team we've currently got, that has been built through that approach. No, absolutely. It will be a fascinating few days. Jusnip said that it's, he hopes to have someone in for the FA Cup game next Saturday, which is quite a bold statement. Or we, And he also said they hadn't had any interviews yet, but it's possibly not as cut and dry as that. Like I think a few of you have already said, there's probably a lot of, pre kind of scanning screening process as i say um so yeah uh, an exciting few days await uh talking of neil jusnip he uh, had a lot to say in that 15 minute presser he also talked about potential incomings mark for january now it must it must be really really difficult for the you know the data department to do all that work and then have your manager leave two weeks before the window opens i don't know how much of an effect that has or will have or time will tell i guess where do you feel we need to strengthen what are you expecting to see 
Well, if the uh, Macaulay-Gillespie move, the muted move, goes through, you'd have to think that we're going to acquire at least one proper defender because that would be negligence if we're not Mm. adding at the back, given our defensive uh, woe this season. So, you know, it was a shame to see Macaulay leave because... You know, in my opinion, he put in one of the best displays of the season at Cardiff. But that was probably used to put him in the shop window to show a prospective club, i.e. Charlton, what he can do. Yeah, so... Yeah, no, while you're on it, Mark, let's let's touch on it. We'll uh, divert again. Macaulay uh, Gillespie's out... Oh, he just his last six months have been odd, haven't they? He's, I know he's had an injury, but he hardly featured at all. And then he made this cameo appearance against Cardiff and was really, really good. And of course was huge for us last season in our promotion campaign. Uh, but yes, it just hasn't quite clicked, has it? And apparently we're getting a six-figure fee for him, which I don't know, Alex, if you're Argyle, if you're you know, Neil Jusnip, you get that kind of offer put in front of you and you've got a player that hasn't played much, if at all, in the last six months, you're, you're taking it. I, I think. Definitely. I think that would be great business. Macaulay's, he did well in the game against Cardiff, but in the, his other outings so far this season, he's one of those players you just felt like was playing at his absolute ceiling to compete in this division. So it's understandable that dropping down to the division below with a team who are currently sitting around mid-table, but with aspirations of moving forward, you've got a player who's got a promotion out of that division on their CV already. It's an attractive prospect. This is another thing as well. Now, I'm not saying these clubs don't do their due diligence and they don't have their own systems and have their own data sets that they study. They're all incredibly experienced football people at these professional clubs. But at the same time, there has to be an element of, well, this guy has been playing in the championship with Plymouth Argyle this season. Therefore, um, he can probably do a job for us in League One. And just by us being in that division above all of a sudden means that our players, you know, you're a Charlton fan and you hear a name of a player from the championship who's been getting some minutes this season. You're thinking, great, sign him up, you know, bring it on. So I think it'd be good business for the club if we get anything for him. And as I said, more exciting for me is the fact that that hints that we might have another defensive player set to come in. Mm. Uh, I mean, also it's, it's what we want, right? We got Mona free from Brisbane Raw off the top of my head two, two and a half years ago. I'm testing my knowledge here. Then uh, we sell him on for seemingly a decent amount of money. He's got as a promotion. Everyone's a winner, are they not? Yeah, everyone seems to be a winner in this one. Um, if it comes through, the Charlton manager Appleton's given it some credence as well. So I think it's more than just a rumour. Although he said he won't, confirm anything until it's happened he certainly didn't deny that it's in the works mm. so mm. it seems to be a win-win hopefully Macaulay can get some game time um for them and he can be a starter in their first 11 which I think is the aim if they're paying money for him so it would be it'd be good for everybody involved yeah so Mark I think we're we definitely need another defender certainly if we're losing one and even before Gillespie's departure or impending departure we probably would have said we needed another one is there anything else, any other areas of the squad you'd like improving or a poten- uh, potential uh, lone player attacking midfielder from the Midlands you'd like to see uh, signed up on a permanent? We want, we all want Finazaz back, but I've been saying for a couple of months, we, I would like Jay Matete back on loan from Sunderland. Whether that's uh, possible with uh, the new coach in place in Sunderland, McBeal. We'll have to wait and see, but that would be someone who could really put in a shift and uh, be a, be a nuisance and get a tackle in and uh, be a useful addition for the rest of the season. Yeah, and of course, it's almost deja vu, isn't it? This time last year, I think you've just seen him in the flesh, Mark, for the last time, Morgan Whitaker, before he uh, was recalled by Swansea. I, I, I guess everyone at Argyle has got everything crossed that it's not deja vu with Finazaz this month because that would be it'd be a real sickener wouldn't it Alex if, if that were to happen there's, in fairness there's no rumours to say it will but you can't help but think back and I think Jusnip mentioned it in his press conference that you know everyone's aware of what happened 12 months ago and we don't want the same to happen again yeah very much. once bitten twice shy isn't it we don't want to get no. too um, 
attached to him for the rest of the season in case he isn't there. I think Aston Villa doing well is great for us because fairly confident he's not going to be going back there and um, in their first team, first squad conversation at all, which is good. But it does mean that the performances that he's put in means that other clubs who are looking for goals and assists in this division with someone who's proven they can do it, they will certainly be aware of what he's done so far this season. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. We, we This is the thing with lone players. We say it all the time. Don't get too attached to them. He is very, very important to us. He is a creative player. He's been scoring goals as well. He's got those little moments of magic that we have been leaning heavily on this season from him and from Morgan Whitaker. But we will adapt. We will find a way. Players are the most um, replaceable um, part of the whole setup. If you're talking about from the very top to the very to the to the players on the pitch, managers, directors of football, chairman. The, the players are the ones that are going to come and go. Uh, if he goes, it will be difficult to see us <coughs> maintaining our goal-scoring threat, which means the defender that we bring in is going to have to be doing their job at the other end. Yep. Yeah, nicely put. I think uh, we've had more than enough chat today, almost all on speculation. Uh, <laughs> so we'll see how well this pod ages in the following uh, seven days because it looks to be a huge seven days for Plymouth Argyle. Uh, Neil Jusnip has nailed his colours to the mast, saying that they hope to have someone in for that Sutton game. So uh, let's see. It will, uh, yeah, like Chris said, a lot of time on Twitter, I think, is uh, a certainty. Uh, Mark, thank you for your time. Any last words that you want to share with us before we depart? Just like to wish the Green Army a happy new year, and let's all get behind the new coach, and stay in this division with a plum. Nice to said, Alex. A positive start to the new year. We are seven points, is it now? Seven points clear of relegation. We're playing exciting football that is a joy to watch. We've got a new manager coming in who hopefully will have a game against a team in the League Two relegation spots to get himself acclimatised and warmed up and cast his eye over the players, which you couldn't ask for a better fixture, despite the fact that we probably want a money-spinning cup run. Yes, it's not a not a free hit. Uh, Tom said that, and I agree with him, actually, now he said that. So we've got that game coming up. The timing as well is actually a good thing, because we've got this Christmas period out of the way. We've got a new manager coming in for the new year. We are going to get somebody who buys into the club's transfer policy, because you can't come in at the beginning of January without buying into what the club already have set up. So they're going to have to go with the list of players and the shortlist. And that will be part of the conversation that they're already having in the interviews. So timing, it's never a good time to lose a manager that you like, but there's many reasons why the timing of the new guy coming in is as good as we could have wanted it mid season. Happy new year, everybody. No, I agree. Thank you. Alex, you saved my bacon there a bit. We nearly forgot to discuss (laughs) next week's cup match. Um, talk about arrogance towards the prestigious FA Cup. Yeah, to summarise, Alex, it's, it's, yeah, you're right. I think it's a blessing, really, that we've got this game against a pretty weak opposition, let's have it right, that we should be beating, even with our B team. And it gives a potential manager time to bed in, essentially. And also, just the, the mad schedule we've had has now come to an end, hasn't it? You know, you really, like Morgan Whitaker, yes, they look shattered, and rightly so. He's been playing every, you know, whatever, three days for two weeks. It's been mad. So um, I feel the stars have possibly aligned, haven't they, in this uh, managerial, managerial appointment, hopefully happening this week, giving him some time to bed in, the players to rest, and uh, yeah, we'll kick on and get an away win and score from a set piece against Huddersfield. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much for listening. Like the other said, a very, very happy new year. And we'll be back with you very shortly. Instead of a quiz this week, we are sending a message on behalf of our sponsor, Swaz. Okay, gents. Uh, It's been a busy, festive period. So... In terms of quizzing, we perhaps haven't had the time to put together the content we want. So today's question only has 
one today's quiz only has one question and it's fastest finger first so you just need to shout out the answer whoever gets it first but who can name a plymouth-based world-leading producer of high-quality custom-made football kits that use performance-based materials they're based in the uk they're based in plymouth they create beautiful bespoke custom football shirts short socks for teams all over the world from grassroots semi-professional and professional gents stone island Swaz. 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 Archie for the win. Swaz.co.uk for all your custom design football kit needs in 2024. Just felt Archie needed the confidence boost in in the new year to to, to win a quiz finally. He's finally won a quiz. (laughs) 